0: Awesome. Mike. Happy Easter everybody. Hope you're having a great one so far and I hope to help you have even a better one as we move through this message. But uh, what a, what a day Easter. And I want to wish you a happy Easter. We got some people online from Santa Rosa that are uh, watching, celebrating with us. Want to wish them a happy Easter. Yeah. Happy Easter. Okay. Rick's going to come and help. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate Rick. He's done a lot. Look at all the uh, extras that Rick has added in. Thank you. One, two, one, two. Got it. Yeah. Beautiful. So I got to share with you guys, uh, Easter's kind of special for me because, you know, when I was growing up, uh, it, it was... It was a time when we got together. I wake up on Easter morning and my mom would leave this basket out for me and uh, full of chocolates and, and malted eggs and it was just, it was a happy day. I mean, if you wake up in the morning and you've got a basket full of chocolates and malted eggs, it's an awesome day, isn't it? <laughs> Later on, we'd go to church and everybody get dressed up and, and look nice. Uh, the girls more than the guys. I mean, the girls, my sisters would get hats on and a big deal, right? And we go to church, and then after church, we would uh, get together and uh, go have this enormous meal. I mean, it was a buffet of buffets, and we'd just be stuffed. Uh, as my, my brother-in-law would say, uh, I'm, as, I'm as happy as a, a tick on a dog's ear. <laughs> give, give you an idea of where I grew up. And uh, you know, the, the amazing thing about Easter was just, it was an awesome day, but that, that, was, that was childhood Easter. And, and what happens as we get older, Easter loses some of its meaning. Because see, there's childhood Easter, and then there's adult Easter. And, and today we want to talk about adult Easter. And, and I hope that, uh, you know, you can, can just lean in a little bit to think about what Easter means, Really. Uh, and I know some of you, uh, I want to welcome you if you're a guest here. Some of you got bribed to come here. And it wasn't the basket with movie tickets and the little eggs underneath. Uh, maybe your mom said, if you don't come to church, then I'm not cooking food for you ever again. Okay, and that's why, that's why you came to church today. Or, or you know, maybe, maybe there was something behind it. But I, I hope that today you can come away with a little bit of extra understanding of what Easter's all about. So let's go to God in prayer and pray for our, our lesson that we're going to hear from Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning that we can remember the greatest event that happened in human history. For that matter, it happened in the whole universe. God, and we know that there's a lot of people coming today with different needs, different things going on in their lives. And I just pray, Father, that this morning, Your Holy Spirit will go out and You'll meet people where they are that you'll open our eyes to see that, uh, Father, you love us so much and that our lives are destined for so much more than we realize. Please be with our service. Use me, fill me with your spirit, and hear us. And thank you, God. Thank you so much for Jesus. We, We lift up Jesus right now because he went through so much for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, some stories are too good to be true. But even though they seem too good to be true, it's a reality. This event that we celebrate on Easter, and that's what the church, the first century church, the first followers of Jesus, they weren't wrapped around a teaching. They weren't wrapped around a building or an institution or a name that was over their their road sign. Their whole understanding about Christianity was wrapped around an event. And it was the event that we celebrate today. And that is the resurrection of Jesus. They went around telling people all over the place, hey, did you hear the news that Jesus rose from the dead? No, I didn't hear that. And I just want to remind you that there's a lot of people who haven't heard this story. And it may seem like it's too good to be true, but this this event for early Christians was the most important event in their lives because it changed them. It changed their family. Like you heard Victor Hugo and Sandra, it's still changing lives today. But in order for us to to change it, we've got to understand it. And for for us to understand it, we've got to believe in it. And I know there's a lot of people hurting out there that they become cynical. Their adult Easter is is not what it was. They're cynical about Easter. It's just another religious holiday. And it's lost. It's wonderful. It's lost its excitement. And so I hope today you can understand from the Scripture what Easter's all about. And as I said, some stories are too good to be true. They're too good to be true. You know, if you were to tell somebody in a third world country about your living situation, you know what they would say? Too good to be true. You mean to tell me you have 15 running water faucets in your house including the toilet and the, and, the, and the washing machine and all that stuff that you've got. You've got clean running water, a shower. You've got a shower that you turn it on and hot water comes out. That's too good to be true. They, they've never, they wouldn't believe it if you told them. Or if you told somebody from a remote place in the third world that, you know, there's these places where I live where there's rows and rows and rows of food stacked to the ceiling. There is so much food. And every day they come in and they bring in more food. And not only that, there's warehouses like this with rows and rows and rows of food that they give you the prepared food for free. You go, that, that, that right there is too good to be true. I can't believe it. But it's true, isn't it? See, you're living in a fairy tale. I don't know if you know that. There's a lot of stories that are too good to be true. I don't know if you woke up this morning and and thanked God for the fact that we didn't just spin off into space. This is true, you may not know it or not, but right now, you're moving at 1,000 miles per hour. Maybe that's why the baby is crying. You're moving at 1,000 miles per hour right now. Did you know that? The earth is, spinning at 1,000 miles per hour, but you don't feel it. And not only that, you're also moving, spinning 1,000 miles per hour, but you're traveling around the sun at 57,000 miles per hour. So by the time this day is over today, you will have traveled 1,599,000 miles and you thought you didn't get anything done today. You know what? I just got to say it. This place where we live is too good to be true. You wake up in the morning and you go, thank God we didn't spin out into the universe that he held it all together. And it's perfect. Perfect. See, that's just the beginning. See, but for a lot of people the story, the narrative about Jesus is too good to be true. The resurrection, it's it just, it's too good to be true. But see, as a church, I want you to understand, we don't, we don't believe in the, the resurrection, the Eastern narrative because the Bible says so. We don't, we don't believe because the Bible says so. It's much bigger than that. We as a church believe in the resurrection and the Eastern narrative because Matthew believed. Mark believed. Luke believed. John believed. And here's the kicker. James, the brother of Jesus, believed that Jesus rose from the dead. What would you have to do to convince your brother that you're the son of God? Some of you got siblings in here. What would he, she have to do to prove to you that, that he's the son of God? I mean, I appreciate the miracles, Jesus, and and the sermons are awesome, but Son of God, nah, don't go for it. What would you have to do to convince your brother, your own flesh and blood, who you grew up with, that you're the Son of God? I think raising from the dead would do it. Predicting your death and then pulling it off would do it. And then, then you've got Paul, who was a Christian hater, Christian killer, Christian... He just—he wanted to just destroy Christianity. How do you explain somebody with a vengeance to destroy Jesus' church? Completely changing and writing most of the Bible, of the New Testament, that is. And he's probably the most aggressive church planter, church builder, church leader in the whole New Testament. How do you explain that? How do you explain that change? There must have been something that happened in these guys' lives that made them believe. And so we're going to look at that, this narrative. See, because as you read the Scriptures, and this is so important, you know, we don't read a lot today, and I want to encourage you, for your own sake, read the New Testament. Read the Gospels. You need to know this story for yourself. Do not trust a college professor who thinks he knows it all because he's got a lot of names or letters after his last name. Just look at his life and say, do you really know what you're talking about? Can I go home with you and see how your marriage, second marriage, third marriage is, professor? You know, tell me about your life. And then, then, then you're going to know. The Easter story is incredible because... It all starts off when Jesus steps onto the pages of history and he starts healing people. He starts preaching these, 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 these parallel stories that are blowing people's minds. And they're like, what is he talking about? And he's healing people of, of paralysis, of skin disease, of blindness. But one time, one time he did something that just, just blew people away. This is where he crossed the line. And it wasn't just somebody normal, you know, some person. He, he resurrected from the dead a prominent person named Lazarus. And then things started to get crazy. See, because there was no way of denying, here, here's the guy, he's prominent, everybody knows. We went to his funeral, we, we, we saw him in the grave. He was there for three days they closed the tomb they said goodbye and jesus said open the tomb lazarus come on out and he comes out like a mummy he comes out and they say take all that stuff off he's alive and he's risen and there was no way in denying it that's when things changed and the the pharisees look at what the pharisees said john chapter 11 verse 48 if we let him go on like this talking about jesus one will believe in him. Now, if everybody believes in Jesus, that's a good thing, right? No, it's not a good thing for them. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. This was one of the first times where religion and politics joined forces. It was a power play. And look at what they said. Later they said, from that day on, they plotted to take Jesus' Wait a minute. Jesus is here to help us, isn't he? What's he done wrong? What crime has he committed? He's healing people. He's helping people. He's even raising people from the dead. Jesus posed a a threat. It was too good to be true. And see, it really wasn't about God anymore. It was about power and the protection of power. And so, we, we see this, this reaction and, you know, if, if you were going to write this narrative, and there's a lot of college professors, they, they say this today, and it's amazing that it's happening, but they, they want to tell people that the narrative about Jesus and the resurrection was completely man-made. They wrote it 80 years after. And so, it really wasn't by the people that experienced it, it was written later, But I just want to question that. If you're going to write a narrative and make it up, right, wouldn't you make yourself out to be the hero of the story? How, if you make up a story, wouldn't you put yourself in a good light? This is the spin that you would put on the story if you're going to make up the story. This is the spin. You would paint yourself, you're Peter, and you write, you know, help Mark write the gospel. If you're John and you've got the 12 guys wouldn't you want to portray yourselves as courageous? Right? I'm a hero. Yeah. One of the 12. Step back. We were, we were faith-filled. And we had sweet skills. I mean, sweet skills. Is that what they did? Read it, read it for yourself. This doesn't make any sense if it's a false... Narrative. No one would do this. But if you were really in it to just tell the truth, just tell it like it is, this is what you would do. Real is this. They were real scared. They were real insecure. And they were, their real concern was for themselves. Do you know that there were only three or four people that attended Jesus' funeral? Joseph of Arimathea, we know. Nicodemus, we know, and maybe maybe a couple of the women. That's it. Where, where, were the, where were the 12? Where were the apostles? Where were the 11? All these people that he healed, where were they? They tell it like it is. They weren't there. So why, if they made this story up, why would they tell this story? I mean, let's just be honest. Peter, Peter. You, you caved to a middle school girl twice. You were intimidated. You were real scared of a middle school girl. Why would you tell that? Why would you let everybody know? And you and I do this, right? When you tell a story, don't, don't you kind of change it a little bit? Make yourself look a little better? Just a little bit. We do that. They didn't do that. See, because... They didn't do it because all that they were interested in was telling it like it happened. It's a historical narrative. They didn't have any ulterior motives, which many accused them of doing. But let me give you a picture of how it really was. Mark 14, verse 50 through 52. Then everyone deserted him and fled. The guys, they ran. When things got hot, they got out of the kitchen. A young man, now here's one of the followers. This is crazy. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment, kind of a light dresser. He was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. He ran through the streets naked. Why would you do that? If you care more about your own skin, even though it's naked, than you do about following Jesus. This are the great apostles. Now, I don't want to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. These guys are awesome. But I just want you to see no one who wrote this narrative and, and wanted to make up the story would write this, unless it were true. That's it. I mean, think about it. Read it for yourself. Then, then in Luke 24, verse 1 through 3, we, we, we heard it already. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the, woman, the women took the spices They had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away and from the tomb, but when they entered it, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. Now, if you would have wrote this narrative, you would have had a man find the empty tomb. Because women at this time were just a little, little above cattle in their status and stature in society. They were commodities. They tell it like it is. Guess who was the first? And I just want to encourage the women in the house. Guess who was the first ones to discover Jesus' resurrection? Women. Women power. Come on, women. And this is awesome. Th- this is incredible. You wouldn't make this stuff up. This is telling it like it is. Verse 4. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's gone. This is where dead people are. He's not dead. And the women were the first ones. Where's everybody else? Let Let me say, let me tell you this. On Easter morning, nobody expected the body to be missing. Even though Jesus had predicted it many, many, many times, hey guys, listen, I'm going to tell you again and again, when I die, I will raise in three days. Nobody, nobody expected the body to be missing. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you. When he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered. A little slow, weren't they? If you're a little slow, you're in good company. I'm I'm a little slow sometimes. I I need a, a little extra. And they needed it, but... This is incredible. But there wasn't this countdown on Easter morning. Five, four, three, two. No, no, the apostles were huddled in a room scared for their lives. And then then we have Paul, the hater, killer of Christians. And he shares the story. This is incredible. 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 and 4 he says for when i what for what i received and he also was a receiver of the message just like you and me when i received what i what i for what i received i passed on to you as the first importance that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter. And then to the 12, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of them who were still living. Though so some have fallen asleep. When did Paul write this? Shortly after it happened. Within 20 years, you've got to imagine. But see, those people that he met, because as soon as he was converted, he went to Jerusalem to interview and cross-examine what exactly happened? The Gospel of Luke is written by a doctor who cross-examined these people. Okay. Uh, where's Phil Wadsworth? Phil, where are you? How many people we got here today? More or less. Give me a more or less number. Give me a minister number. 500. 500. I want you to imagine this. I, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine this. This is intense. I want you to imagine. You go to a trip, a mission trip to Jerusalem. When Paul says, "Because I'm going on a mission trip, I'm going to see if this is true. I want to go talk to these 500 people." Some have fallen asleep, as he said, which means they died. And I like the way he says it. But let, let's just go through. Hey, you see Jesus? Yep. You see Jesus? Yep. Did you? Yep. 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 Whoa! whoa. You guys saw Jesus? You you young, you young men? You saw Jesus? No. Tell, tell me, what was it like? What was it like? What did he say? Did, did he have holes in his wrist? Did he show the hole in his side? Yeah. He showed us all that. Oh my gosh, it's true. It's not a story. It's true. This is real. Look at all these people. Look at all these people that are here, and they're alive, and they're telling us, yes, this, in fact, came about. This happened. And and these guys are good. Paul's good. He was able to cross-examine people, just like he would do in a court case, right? And make sure, and this is what Luke did, and some people don't realize that, Luke, as he says it in his own gospel, I did a thorough investigation of the events that happened when Jesus was alive and walking the earth. Here it is. And then Paul goes on. He says, "They're they're still alive. Most of these five hundred people, though some have fallen asleep." I love the way he says this because he said they've fallen asleep, which means what? They're going to wake up, right? I love that because they died and he's talking about the resurrection that these same people who have died because they believed in Jesus, they were witnesses of Jesus, they were followers of Jesus, they're going to wake up. And then he finishes out and he says, then he appeared to James. Now, (laughs) I got to say, what would that be like? Okay? Jesus walks in the room and you don't know, but I know James was not a follower of Jesus up to this point. James mocked Jesus. You can read about it in the Gospel of John. Made fun of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you're important. Why aren't you going up to Jerusalem? Now, after Jesus died, he pro- more than like, he didn't go to his funeral. Scripture doesn't tell us. James, his own brother, didn't go to his funeral. And then Jesus shows up and appears to him, resurrection from the dead. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see that. Okay, here's James, you know, he's chilling, he's sitting, and he's, he's, he's here, you know, he's, thinking, man, it's too bad about my brother. And, you know, I really wanted to believe that. And then, and then, oh, Jesus, Jesus, is that you? Oh, Jesus, dude, listen, I'm so sorry. So so, So sorry, I made fun of you. Yes, I didn't go to your, I didn't go to your services. And I'm sorry, Jesus, Jesus, listen, you're the Messiah. You're the one. You're the. I, I. I believe now. What? What do you want me to do? Oh, you want me to help Peter lead the church? Okay, I, I'll do that. You, what? You. You want me to. You want me to write part of the Bible? Okay, I'll write part of the Bible. I, I'll do that. We'll call. It, is it okay? If we call it the Book of James. Yeah, it's cool. Listen, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just want you to know. I am all in with you. Whatever you want. I'm convinced I would have loved and been there, wouldn't you? Could you imagine? And and read about it in the book of Acts, gospel of... James was a powerful leader, man. He took charge because he was convinced of the resurrection of his brother. Then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Why, why did Paul risk his life the way he did? Why did Paul put himself on the line and eventually die? They cut off his head. They gave him the option. They say, deny Jesus or we take your head off. He said, take it. I want this more than I want this. Go ahead and do it because I'm going to a better place. And I'm tired and I'm ready to go home with Jesus, my Savior, my Messiah, my my Lord. That explains it. That explains it. That does it. That explains why Paul was so incredibly motivated. Now, you can't make this up. And why would anyone do that? So, you know, when you think about the resurrection, I, I want to move on to this whole idea of being redeemed. And, and, and the idea is, what, what does it mean? What does redeemed mean? It means this, to buy back. Because it's cool that Jesus rose from the dead, but what is the real meaning behind it? What is the resurrection saying to you and me in 2016? January 20, or February, or March 27th. What's the saying? What's it mean to me? It's great about Paul, James, cool story, bro, but it's me. Okay? Me. That's what I want to tell you about. Redeemed means this to buy back, to get or win back, to free from captivity, to release from blame. Blame of what? To free from consequences of sin, reform, repair, restore. This is right out of the Webster's Dictionary. You can look it up yourself on Google. That's what this word means. What does the resurrection of Jesus mean? We've established here that it's happened. Because we got witnesses. we got evidence. we got proof. Same way you'd have it in a courtroom. What about here? What changes people's lives? what really gets to them. Peter tells us what the resurrection is all about. And we're going to close out with this. Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, here it is. What did the resurrection do for us? It redeemed us. Okay, here's one of the dilemmas, and this is why God is so perfect in the way he does things. Every single one of us in this room and every single person that walks the planet is most, most interested in finding value for themselves. Approval, acceptance, i want people to value me don't you everybody does you tell me this stuff about oh i don't care i don't care no you do care that's why you combed your hair this morning even funny like you did right or you shaved your head don't tell me you did that because you you want to be yourself and all that no you do that because you want to be valued Everybody wants to be valued, but here's what happens over time. Over time, we lose value. We become old. Or over time, we do things we're ashamed of that weigh down our conscience, and we lose value. We begin to ask the question, what's my worth? And if people aren't giving it to me the way I need, I must be worth less. A lot of people are there. In comes Jesus. In comes the resurrection with this message. See, God wanted to show you what you're worth. And it wasn't with silver or gold that you were redeemed or exchanged or ransomed or purchased. It wasn't with silver or gold. Can't put a number on it. And, and this is cool too, from the empty way of life handed down to you from who? Parents. Some of you are dogged by your parents because your parents were some, weren't, weren't somebody or, you know, or they passed on some damage, some stuff in your line and they left you hurt and you're messed up because of your parents. This is gonna break that chain. This is gonna rearrange that. But with the precious blood of Christ, let me ask you a question. What is Jesus' value to God? Can you put a price tag on it? Priceless. I like you guys. I got a son. Wouldn't give him for you. Sorry. Wouldn't do it. God forgive me, I'm, I'm not good hearted yet but I wouldn't do it. God gave His priceless son in exchange for who? Let's Let's just be honest. Priceless or priceless? Who are you? Priceless. That's what God wants us to get with the resurrection of Jesus. It's important that we're convinced here, but then we've got to understand what this is all about. I, I, I purchased you with the most precious thing that I, in person, that I have. My own son, I want you to know this. I want you to know your value. I don't care what the world has told you about your value, that you're not worth anything, that you're a loser, that you failed, you've sinned, you've messed up, and you're beyond cure. That's what the world tells me. i got another view of you. He doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says, this is a blow away. He was chosen, Jesus. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed these last times for whose sake? For your sake. I love Peter. What are you saying here? Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in who? In church? And all those other value systems are out there? No, he's saying, listen, Your new value system, because Jesus was raised from the dead, is what God placed upon you, and it is priceless. But this right here blows me away. God had thought about me and you and me before everything started. I I, I can't get that. That's too big for me. You know what I do with that? Thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with 1,599 miles in one day. I don't know what to do with that. That's beyond me. Praise God. You know, when you really see how everything's working in our lives, our bodies, things the way they're too good to be true. It's crazy. God had it all planned because He loved you and He went to all this trouble to let you know after you've messed up after you've done things that have hurt you and people have hurt you and and you've really, you're things you're ashamed of because see in those dark moments, all of us, all of us in those dark moments question our worth. We're ashamed. You can put that act on and that show on like you're all that, but you know in those dark moments you question your value. You're saying, listen, I got you. So now we understand why the apostles and the followers of jesus were so sold out so like man this is awesome this is this is my life now jesus is it here's the basically the breakdown priceless for priceless he was planned thinking about you and he was you were redeemed for not just now you're redeemed for let me tell you something. Everything with time loses value. You will never lose your value in God's sight. That's going to take some time to wrap your mind and heart around. You're going you're to have to think about that for a little bit. But God wants you to know that. Your value will never falter in God's eye. Now the question is, Will you receive the message? Will you turn yourself in? You remember back with the Pharisees? Remember how they wanted to arrest and kill Jesus? Jesus died for them too. But they didn't turn themselves in. They didn't surrender like James did, like Paul did, like Peter did, and say, you know what? Okay, I'm done. I give in. I quit. What do you want me to do, Jesus? Nobody's loved me like you. Nobody's cared for me like you. So I want to leave you with this. Resurrection means redemption. But in terms of how we live, what, what, what I, I really want to encourage you today, starting today to embrace your new values. To stop pushing and just push away all that other stuff that's out there and start seeing yourself as God sees you. And number two, if you're a guest here today, I want to encourage you to study the Scriptures. I want to encourage you to start reading the Bible. It will be the most important investment of your time. It's it's crazy what we invest our time in. It's useless stuff, meaningless stuff. But if you invest your time in getting to know God and forming a relationship with God in prayer, so you come to an understanding of who He is and how He loves you. And I want to encourage you to come back next week if you're a guest. We've got a a brand new series that uh, we're going to be doing here as a church talking about being fulfilled. Being fulfilled. And then the last thing here is uh, for those of you who've been following Jesus for a while and you know you've got one foot in and one foot back. You know what I'm talking about? You're here but you're not really here and you're here sometimes and you're not always here. And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about here with Jesus. Jesus. That you're you're ready to do whatever he wants. You're like James. Jesus, whatever you want. You want me to help Paul? uh, You want me to help Peter? What do you want me to do? I'm all. The good and the bad. Give your life to Jesus. It's it's time to stop playing, church. It's time for us to start giving our lives, time, finances. I'm I'm not making money off of you. That's not the way it works. I got people deciding how much I get paid. That's not the way it works here. We're we're meeting in a Jewish synagogue. You know why? We're meeting here because it's about people more than it is about a building. We want to invest in people. We want this next generation to come to know Jesus. See, what you don't realize is you think everybody knows this story. They don't know this story. Who's going to tell them? They grew up in a family that didn't go to church, never talked about Jesus, never read the Bible. How will they know? How did you and I get to know? Well, I get uncomfortable talking about people, talking to people about Jesus. Then I guess the problem really is not giving your life to him. It's not about inviting him to come to church. It's talking to them about your story. What's Jesus done for you? Tell them about the resurrection, the effect that it's had on your life. I wouldn't be who I am without Jesus. People need to know that they've never heard this story. And we don't have to go to Africa to find that. It's here in West Covina. People have never heard this story. So next week, come on out. This is the series that we're going to be rolling out. And and today, I just want to encourage you. Just, Just leave you with this. Listen. God loves you so much. And I know we celebrate today because it's Easter, and, but every day is Easter. We should have an Easter egg hunt every, every day. We should be that happy. We should be fired up. Man, it's Easter. Jesus rose from the dead. It's just a date on a calendar. Every day. Why? Not because the Bible says so. Because of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Paul. Because of its message, what it means. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to be dismissed. After the service, we're going to have a little meet and greet in the back. If you want to talk to me, you've got some questions, you didn't like anything that I said, or you want to just understand more, I'll be in the back. Our ministers will be in the back in the cafeteria. Come and let's talk about it. Okay? You won't tell anybody what you asked or what you said, but we're here for you. We want to help you get to know this message so you understand how much God loves you. Let's pray for this the Heavenly Father, we thank you for today that we can celebrate. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't falter when they drove nails in your hands and in your feet. When everybody ran away and fled and left you alone, you didn't, you didn't falter. You didn't cave. Jesus, we praise you right now because you were faithful. When Pilate asked you to give a defense, you kept silent because you knew our souls were on the line. Thank you, Jesus. We ask you, receive us. If, if we're here and, and, and we want to change, please, help us to start over again. If we're here for the first time and we believe God and we want to receive the new beginning, Father help us. Father, if we've been in the church a long time and we've held back because of our own personal agenda, help us to let it go. Because you see us priceless. Now we're going to take the bread and the the fruit of the vine, Father, and we pray you'll bless this communion. Help us to value Jesus. We love you bless us today. Thank you for this awesome day to celebrate, but I pray every day will be a day that we celebrate Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you guys.